and um, hopefully, I, I I didn't plan this out. I really, honestly, did not plan this out. Um, but but uh, Philippians, First uh, Peter chapter four, the first line there is therefore Christ since. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. Now just think about that statement for a second. Peter is about to launch into a discussion that he opens with. Um, just remember Christ suffered. That's where he starts. That's where he starts. He doesn't start with, you know, oh, you know, and he, he deals with this, but oh, the glory of God and all that stuff. But he, he starts this statement with, now, just remember, Christ suffered. And he says, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. The, the Greek word is his way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And this is kind of an interesting statement. Whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh. No longer for human passions, but for the will of God. And some people have taken that passage and they say, well, what this means is, if you're a good, true Christian, you will never sin. If you truly follow Christ, you'll stop sinning. I don't think that's what he means at all. I don't think that's his point. I think it's a mistake if we try to make that the point. Then he says, as he continues, so as to live for the rest of time in flesh, no longer for human passion, but for the will of God. Verse 3, for the time that is past has sufficed for what the Gentiles want to do. Our past was filled with selfishness. And, um, well, let me just, let me just get into this. I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to get into it, so I'll just get into it. Christ suffered, we will suffer. That's not a popular message in Christianity. We don't want to hear that statement. We want to hear, everything will be alright. We want to hear, this is the answer to happiness. We want to hear, if I just do everything right, then, then God will make everything right for me. And the reality is, Christ suffered, we will suffer. We will face difficulty. Now the word suffer um, is, is the word we get passion from. Um, it, it, it's, the, it's the word, the, the idea of a, um, a, a suffering for something, not just general suffering. In the Middle Ages there were the, these people called the flagellates who walked around whipping themselves to show how, how they were going to honor God by the suffering of their flesh. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about people who... And in the Middle Ages, being holy was like, a, like a, a, an Olympic event. So people would try to out-holy each other. Oh, you fasted for 40 days. I will fast for 60 days. Oh, you fasted for 60 days. I will climb up on top of a column and I will fast for 60 days. And then I will also not drink water for 6 days. And I'll stand on my head. And I will also wear, I will wear Velcro inside out. Only the pointy parts. And I will prove how holy I am. And, and that was the Middle Ages. It was how people were trying to prove their holiness. Uh, what's called asceticism. That they would deprive the body and therefore somehow they would be more holy. In fact, um, they, they would even call these people the perfecti. That they had so deprived their body and starved themselves to death and never done anything happy and never smiled, never laughed, and therefore they were somehow more holy. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what Peter's talking about here. But he is facing the reality 
that Christianity is counter to everything in this world. It is counter to Satan's intent as, a, as, the, as the, the enemy of Christ. It is counter to the passions of my desires. And so as a result, I will suffer. Now that's not a very popular statement. We want to know how do I get through the suffering. We want to know how do I get through, I mean, yeah, sure, okay, there's the valley of the shadow, but, you know, eventually I get to the other side, right? I mean, eventually, the, the Bible doesn't say, you know, eventually I'll get you to the other side. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Not you are going to pick me up out of the valley, but rather I'm going to go through the valley. I am going to suffer. The world doesn't like suffering. Our world doesn't like suffering. Our world doesn't like aging. Because we want everybody to be young. Oh, look how amazing she looks for 60 years yeah, years old. Yeah, if I had a million and a half dollars to spend on my face and body, I'd look good at 62. You know? I mean, the reality is we're so obsessed with youth and we're so obsessed with not dying and we're so obsessed with not suffering and we're so obsessed with put a smile on it and isn't this wonderful and dress it up in church clothes and everybody will be happy. And the reality of life is that we go through difficulty that has no explanation. It has no cause and it may feel like it has no end. Christ suffered, we will suffer. We, we hide that sometimes. In our, we, we pretend like our religion is going to take away all difficulty, and it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, this is a very personal thing for me. My wife does everything right. She, she is a beautiful person, and yet she suffers. Now, does she have the worst debilitating life in the world? No. But if the world was about you being a good enough Christian to not suffer, my wife would never have an ounce of pain in her entire life. And I think you all would agree, my wife is pretty extraordinary. And yet I see her suffer, and I see her in pain, and we've gone through cancer surgeries, and we've gone through having to take medications to deal with all kinds of things that are wrong inside her body. And we sit around and we say, does it, everybody wants to say, why does this happen? And the reality is, we will suffer. And Peter understands why we will suffer. And I, I just, I love what he says. He says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. And the word he uses there for arm yourself is the word that we bring into English as the word for the, the Greek military formations, the hoplites, the armored ones. And he says, stand in battle formation with Christ. Because he suffers, you will suffer. Why? Because we are at war with the powers of this world. We are at war with what wants to destroy and tear down your families and your lives and your spiritual path. We are at war with everything that hates Christ. And he says, you better arm yourself because you're in combat and you're moving with him and you need to be in the same mind and you need to move with the same function. And trust me, when you go into combat, you will suffer. 
Have you ever reflected on, on this one thought about yourself? Why is it so easy for me to sin? Why is it so easy for me to sin? You ever thought about that? Why is it so easy to sin? Why is it so easy to bail on my commitments? Why is it so easy for me to... Which, by the way, is sin. Um, why is it so easy for me... A side tangent. But you make a covenant to do something. You make a covenant before God to do something. You better do it, because if you break that covenant, it's sin. But why is it so easy for me to sin? And the reality is, the reason it's so easy for me to sin is I don't see myself as an armed one in combat having the same mind as Christ. Because let me tell you, if you're a Greek hoplite and you're engaged in combat, the last thing you're thinking about is sin. I mean, when we sit in a church and we sit in the pews, and I, I, I sat in pews and I don't care how great the preacher is, and I'm sure you, you think your preacher is the best in the world, but the reality is our minds wander. Did I turn off the iron this morning? Did I iron my clothes this morning? Am I wearing the clothes I intended to wear this morning? Where am I this morning? We start to wander, we start to meander. I, I'm fairly certain, and I've never been in combat, but I'm fairly certain that when the bullets start flying, those are not the things you worry about. Does, is my patch straight? Do, will, I, will my uniform pass inspection? My boots are awful messy. We don't worry about messy boots when you're in combat. Now let me explain to you what a hoplite, how hoplites work. Because Peter would have understood this because he lived in this world. He lived in the, the Roman world and they were still using the phalanx. Um, the Romans used a different technique, but the Greek auxiliaries would fight the same way. Um, the Greek hoplites fought in a formation that was called the othismos. Now, in the, the best explanation of this is in Thucydides. Tom, help me out. Thucydides wrote the Peloponnesian Wars, right? All right. Um, the, and, uh, the, no, the Greek-Persian Wars. That's still Thucydides, right? Greek-Persian Wars. I think it's still Thucydides. Anyway, a Greek guy wrote this. <laughs> I think it is Thucydides, but I'm not sure. The Battle of Thermopylae, which everybody knows from the historically completely inept movie 300, um, which has no bearing whatsoever on reality except the names. Um, the Greek hoplites fought in, the, in a formation called the Othismos. And in the Battle of Thermopylae, you know the Spartan 300 standing against the Persian army? Everybody learned this story in school. If you didn't, you went to a terrible school. Because um, this is the greatest story in history that's not in the Bible. All right? 300 Spartans, Greek auxiliaries, some Thebans and stuff, standing against a million-man Persian army in the, in the pillars of Thermopylae. And they knew they were going to die, and so they go into battle, and they fight the last battle. Um, they, they, the infamous moment, this appears in the story, where, where they say to him, the Persians are so numerous, they will fire so many arrows that it will blot out the sun. And one of the Greek soldiers says, then we will fight in the shade. All right? And this is what they're going... Well, they're in this last battle, and Leonidas, the king of Sparta, falls. And the Greeks, the Persians, are rushing to get his body, to desecrate his body. And the Greeks lock into the Othismos. Now this is what Othismos work, how it works. You would bring one foot forward and bring your weight 
And this is depicted on, we have this on jars, so we know this is how they fought. This is their formation. Your shield, which was round, would come to the front, and you would turn your body sideways and hold your spear at your hip, lock it into your hip, here. The man next to you would bring his shield and interlock it, and his chest would come, or his back would come up to your chest. And the man behind you would bring his leg up so that the greaves of his, of his armor touched the back of your calf. So your, the back of your leg was literally sitting on the top of his leg. They literally would lock together, physically lock together. And then the Spartans, who spent their entire lives learning to fight and only fight, that was all they did. They had a whole group of slaves that did everything else for them so that they could fight. They would move, literally move, three inches at a time. All together, with one mind. And the Spartans said, they will not take Leonidas' body. And they formed the Othismos around his body. And the Persian army crashed into that Othismos, into that hoplite, while the Greek auxiliaries came up and could take the body out from underneath the, the Greek soldiers. And they all died. Very romantic moment in history. But let me tell you something. When they are locked into the Othismos, when those hoplites are engaged in war, the last thing they're worried about is whether they're going to sin or not. The only thing that they were worried about at that moment was three more inches. Three more inches for the mind. All together. If we suffer, if he suffers, we will suffer. Three more inches forward. We will continue to move. We will not break rank. We will not surrender. We will die where we stand. But we will not break rank with the One who leads us. The reality is it's just too easy for us to be Christians. We can run away from suffering. We can pretend like it doesn't exist. We can abandon those who discomfort us. We can walk away from difficult situations. We can ignore difficult situations. It's easy for us to sin because we've got all the time in the world because rather than being locked in with one mind in formation as the armed ones with Christ, we're off doing our own thing. You say, that sounds awful militant. Are you saying that we should all work together for one thing, whether we like it or not? Yes, I am. I am saying that the church of Jesus Christ is about Jesus Christ. It's not about my opinion. It's not about your opinion. For all we know, we're both wrong. What matters is Christ. And we need to have His mind and be in formation with Him. And we need to be interested in three inches at a time. Last night, my wife and I just were at an end. We're, we were just so frustrated. You ever had one of those conversations that has no end? You don't know where that conversation is supposed to go? Like you say things and then you sit there with that awkward silence going, there should be something better to say here. But I got nothing. You know what you do? You get up in the morning. I told my wife, I said, but I'll still get up in the morning and I'll still do what needs to be done and I will continue doing what needs to be done. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. I wish it wasn't this way. 
But the only thing I'm interested in, the only thing that can ever motivate a Christian to action is being armed in the same mind as Christ in three inches at a time. You can live your life three inches at a time. Because we're in combat. Anybody, any combat soldier will tell you the guy you don't want on your team is the guy who played too much Halo and thinks he can go and deal with the situation on his own. Don't worry, guys, I got this. Now, in the movies, that guy's the hero. Now, he's, oh, isn't he extraordinary? You know what we call him in, in the military? And the, sol- the soldiers that are with us can tell me. You know what you call him? A casualty of war. We work together. We fight together. We stand together. And we stand together because Christ is the core. Remember the way that he describes. How does Peter describe Christ? He calls him the cornerstone. And everything extends from him. And, and, uh, you know, that's, um, that's who he is in our formation. And we move together. Now here's the problem. Here's the issue. It's so easy to take when somebody shares something like that or something that Jed, sh- you know, Jed shared the struggles that his family goes through. And we go, oh, I feel so bad for them. This is not about feeling bad. This is just about, can we pray for one another to just continue to move three inches at a time? To stay with Christ. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how hard the journey is, the number one thing we should be praying for people is that they will stay with Christ. That they will move with Him. And you know what? You've got to pray that for me. You've got to pray that for my wife. You've got to pray that for my daughter. You've got to pray that for you. You've got to pray for that for your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, your grandparents. Because the world is going to throw everything it can at you. And if I'm honest and I'm realistic, I would say the vast majority of Christians, when the world throw things, throws things at them rather than engaging in combat. They just jump out of the way and let somebody else take the hit. We are called to move together with Christ. When Peter died, and this is tradition, but it's pretty reliable. It's not in the Bible. They were going to crucify Jesus, uh, crucify Peter. And his only request was that he be crucified upside down so that he would not be exalted like Christ. He took it as a great mark of honor that he would be identified with Christ so strongly that they felt that they needed to do it to him. But he wanted to make sure everybody knew he only moved and did what he did because of Christ. And you know what? It's easy to do that when everything is going great. It's hard to identify Christ and identify with Christ in his suffering. Would you agree? It is hard to identify with Christ in His suffering. There's a whole bunch more that's going to go, but I just want to leave you with a line out of verse 7. The very first line of verse 7, Peter says, the end of all things is at hand. 
So don't worry, it will come. The end will come. Notice what he does. He does not say. He does not say the relief will come. He does not say um, understanding and comprehension will come. He just says the end will come. I don't often kind of give these kind of messages, but if you were to to come to the end where you are right now in your life, would you be found among the fallen who stood with Christ and moved with Him? Would be you'll be off in some other recess of the field. Is Christ kind of identified from a distance in your life? But you know the way He's going is too hard. I got a better path I can take. I got a better way I can do it. If you were to fall in battle with the world right now, would you fall in battle in formation with those who are moving with Christ in His mind? That's a question we need to ask ourselves. Look, I'm not saying guys in combat and that, those hoplite formations. Every once in a while, there wasn't a guy about six rows in on either side getting crushed by other guys who went, this is a terrible idea. There's got to be a better, better way to do this. But ultimately, we said, but right now, I'm in combat and I've got to move. I've got to do this thing. Three inches at a time. Three inches at a time. Three inches at a time. And the Greek hoplites defeated the greatest nation in the world. People think that they exaggerated. I'm not so sure the Greek historians exaggerated when they said that the armies of the Persians were millions of people. They, They could field massive amounts of resources. I mean, they got... They crossed an ocean with boats. They built a pontoon boat bridge so that they didn't have to deal with it. Oh, it's too hard building boats. We'll just walk across. And those Greeks defeated that army. How? Three inches at a time. And is the kingdom of God at hand? Yes. Is God doing amazing things in the world? Yes. Is, God, is Christ one day going to show up and set everything right and we will no longer have to endure this? Yes. But right now we move at three inches at a time and we suffer and we endure and we move on and we keep going because we're with Christ and that's all that matters. Would you pray with me? Father, once again I find myself tired of my own reliance on me. Reflecting on all of the frustrations and confusion and difficulty and of my life and, and finding that I become reliant upon my own interpretation of how that works and blinded by difficulty to not see blessing, to not see the glory of being in the ranks with Christ.
Father, it's hard for me to admit that I don't always I don't always stay in formation. It's hard for me to admit that sometimes I take the easy route. But it's true. Sometimes I try to be the hero rather than to be armed with and stand with you. Father, help us to glorify you in our bodies as you are glorified among us and to move forward. Sometimes slow, sometimes fast, sometimes in victory, sometimes in suffering. Sometimes watching our brothers and sisters fall that we would stay with you. That we would never lose sight of your banner leading us forward. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.